Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad that you're with us along the Super Talk Mississippi network of stations across the state of Mississippi or online. It's the Eagle Hour, where we talk nothing but Southern Miss sports. Kelly Sander, along with producer engineer Michael Mergens, the new kid on the block. Uh, uh, oh, Ben Milam is here as well. Did you get the new kids on the block reference? I, I, I got that. Okay. Yeah, all right. That you. was just for you. That was just I'm, for you. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Ben's in. Bob Getty is uh, on vacation this week. Luke Johnson out doing some studying. Some of you have asked about, you know, Luke, he, he's going to be back. He's just gone for one more week and then he will be rejoining us. On the program today, we will be talking with Jason Brownlee, standout Southern Miss football receiver who is now in Phoenix, Arizona, getting ready for the NFL Combine. That in invitation he anticipates coming shortly then he'll be off to the nfl pa bowl that'll be out in uh, in uh, los angeles that'll be at the end of the month as he gets ready now for a potential professional career jason brownley will be joining us and then in a little bit later on in the program patrick mcgee on the end of the new orleans saints season but what is happening off the field in new orleans is getting more headlines than what's happening on the field. And we'll fill in those blanks for you a little bit later on. This first segment brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Made here and loved everywhere. Dickie's the perfect place to cater your next event, whether it's a basketball tailgate, which is now becoming slowly a thing at Southern Miss. A full array of uh, great side dishes as well. Of course, with the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl coming as well, uh, you can talk to Dickie's about catering that event for you. We appreciate our relationship with Dickie's, a proud sponsor of Southern Miss Athletics and the Eagle Hour. Well, Ben, as you get in here, a big win for the men's team Saturday at Louisiana Monroe. I think most people thought that it was going to be a cakewalk. Uh, the Eagles didn't shoot especially well in the second half. Meanwhile, the women had the number one team in the Sun Belt on the ropes, James Madison, but the Dukes pulled it out. Let's start uh, with the men's game. Mm-hmm. Going into a four-game road trip, of course, getting beat up at Louisiana, a game that probably was the worst game the Eagles had played all year. Mm-hmm. It would have been interesting to see how they rebounded, no pun intended, against uh, the Warhawks. And again, I think a lot of people thought that it was going to be a cakewalk, but look, a win is a win. Yeah, especially in the Sun Belt. And, I, and we looked ahead at this four-game road swing, and that was what we said. We said, we're going to learn a lot about this team. And I think especially after you mentioned the Louisiana loss, as poorly as they played 
especially on the offensive end. I mean, it's it's hard to rebound from that, especially on the road, knowing you're going to be on the road for another week and a half. And I thought they responded well. Uh, you know, it was an ugly, ugly first half. I mean, double-digit lead for Louisiana Monroe in the first five minutes of that game started eight of nine from the field. It looked pretty bleak, but they found a way to turn it around. As Jay Ladner has said multiple times, defense travels. Defense really battened down the hatches and uh, found a way to allow the offense to get back into it. And logically, you would not expect the Warhawks to continue to shoot with the torrid pace that they did to begin sure. that game. Yeah, and, and yeah, but the fact remains, they've got some scores. They've got some really. I mean, there's a reason they started three and zero in the Sun Belt. And as we've talked about, uh, there there are no easy nights in Sun Belt play, especially on the road. And so I, I think it said a lot about this team and the potential that they have to come back in that game early and you know, kind of parry some of the blows later in that game as well and bounce back from a tough loss. They did out-rebound the Warhawks, mm-hmm. although not by much. Uh, the turnovers were about the same on both sides. Yeah, only turned it over 10 times, which is actually a little below the season average, which I think is is up to close to 13 now. But that, that's that been the concern, especially on the offensive end. It's been a little sloppy, and that's been why we have – you know, kept asking the question, when is Neftali Alvarez going to be healthy enough to come back as he was your starting point guard? And at times, there's there's sort of a lack of fluidity, and you would hope that a point guard would solve that. But guys, like we, we talked about DeAndre Pinckney on Friday, finishes with 24 career high. Uh, Crowley finishes with 21, another double-digit performance for him. So there, there were guys that picked up the slack, even in an ugly game, and I think that's a really great sign. And Armstrong is coming on. Armstrong's yeah. getting some playing time. Jeffrey I think Armstrong, Donovan Ivory, I think, is another guy who's, who's going to be really big in this meet of conference play who can really score the basketball off the bench. I think the thing that, that most impressed me uh, was the fact that the Eagles, shooting-wise, stunk it up in the second half, yeah. but found a way to win. That's right. Shot 30, just over 31%, and it was it was about 25% for most of that second half. But like we said, I mean, that defense, that Juan Cardona-led defense, is good enough to sustain those cold stretches. Obviously, you'd like to see them get out of those, especially with – for you know the majority of 40 minutes didn't shoot very well at all but yeah like you're saying I think it's a good sign that they can win an ugly basketball game on the road in conference play that's what good teams do earlier in the season uh Felipe Hase mm-hmm. was you know the numbers were really really ridiculously good yeah. right as the season has gone on his numbers his point numbers are coming down just his he's looking more human right but I wonder how much of this has to do. He's obviously an international player from Chile. International players don't tend to play as physical generally uh-huh. as the American game. Do you think that him getting banged around a little bit is affecting him ever so slightly? I, I think so. And I think it's also a matter of just disrupting the offense as a whole because in non-conference play, they ran the offense through him. We've seen how good of a passer he is. Uh, that might be one of the best parts if not the best part of his game outside of his shooting and yeah i mean the the defensive emphasis is is to push him to the perimeter in spots where he can't make those passes that he made in non-conference play and to play southern miss just in general really physical because that offense is is you know, sustained on gaps and motion, and if you're if you're bumping every screen, and if you're if there's high pressure on the perimeter, that that is hard 
to continue through a 40, 40 minute stretch. And so I think there's a there's an adjustment that hopefully is kind of in the progress of coming. And I think probably the focal point of that for the coaching staff is to figure out how to get Felipe Hase in better situations closer to the basket and to get him open shots on the perimeter. Although he has shown the ability to shoot the three ball, Absolutely. Which, is, which makes him so unique. Well, you know, and, he, and he's still shooting. He is. Right. He's still shooting close to 40 percent from three, even even as as. You know, these last two weeks have not been great. Let's take a look at the standings in the Sun Belt on the men's side, leading the way at three and one, your Southern Miss Eagles. Also tied with the Eagles, Troy and Louisiana Monroe. But let's just hypothetically say the season were to end today. Southern Miss has already beaten Monroe and Troy. Mm-hmm. So that's good news. Georgia Southern is also in that pack, leading the way with three and one conference records. A log jam. Behind them at 2-2 two and two includes Southern Miss's next opponent, the Marshall Thundering Herd. That game will be played in Huntington on Thursday night, and that is an 8 o'clock start. A lot of uh, websites say TBA, but remember that was the game that was moved so that ESPN can put it on one of its uh, big channels, big boy channels, so to speak. That'll be an 8 o'clock start our time on Thursday night, Southern Miss at Marshall. Other teams in the 2-2 two and two category include Louisiana, James Madison, Old Dominion, craps, I mean, App State, and, <laughs> and Texas State. One and three in the conference on the men's side. Arkansas State, where the Eagles will travel on Saturday right. for a 2 o'clock start. Arkansas State, one and three, along with Georgia State, Coastal, and South Al. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, South Al is in last place. <laughs> It's something. And actually, the women of South Al are also in last place. Uh So it's been a struggle so far, although we don't feel too bad for the Jags. Uh, No, we don't. But uh, but reading those standings, I mean, it's it's that shows you the parity given. I mean, just through two weekends, there are no undefeated teams left. And the favorites, Louisiana, um, Marshall, two and uh, yeah, two and two and Marshall at two and two. That shows you that, you know. I think there were a lot of people that it was kind of funny with the turnaround that that Southern Miss has had. You're sitting at 13 and three, but you're coming off of a, a, a tough loss against the preseason favorite. There were a lot of people that were a little upset and a little right. worried. But you look up and this team is three and one at the top of the standings in a really tough conference where it's just sort of how it works. You you kind of beat each other up, and there are no really top heavy teams. That is, I think, really, really impressive, even after that loss against Louisiana. But it's bad news for the conference in that it's already been designated kind of a one-team bid for the NCAA tournament. And if teams continue to beat each other mm -hmm. up, it will reinforce that idea. Yeah, and that's been historically true. But it it also makes for some really fun and competitive basketball. There are going to be very few blowouts and uninteresting games this year. And we're hoping the Eagles are hoping for a three-in-one road trip. But considering you're going to Marshall, uh, the Thundering Herd two-and-two, but we're projected to finish among the the elite of the Sun Belt this year. If you could go to Huntington and pick up a win, you'll be expected to win at Arkansas State. So, uh, but so it's looking statistically probably like a two and two road trip, maybe three and one. Meanwhile, on the women's side, the ladies were beaten by James Madison, sixty-three to fifty-four on Saturday, their first loss in conference play. But um, nothing to really hang your head about because. James Madison is 4-0. We'll get to the women's standings and tell you what the Lady Eagles have got coming up a little bit later on. But when the Eagle Hour continues, we're going to go out to Phoenix, Arizona and talk to Southern Miss, one of the great receivers of all time on the football team, Jason Brownlee. He's there getting ready for his future ahead as a professional football player. Southern Miss Golden Eagle wide receiver Jason Brownlee next as the Eagle Hour continues in a moment. 
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Still to come this hour, we'll be talking with Patrick McGee of NOLA.com. The Saints have finished up the regular season, but things happening off the field are making more headlines than on. We'll tell you what that's all about when Patrick McGee joins us a little bit later on. This segment brought to you by Campus Bookmark, the big, bright yellow building right across the street from the main campus at Southern Miss. Your place to go for Southern Miss swag, including your lending bowl tee. T-shirts, your Lending Bowl championship T-shirts are there. Baseball apparel coming in now. And don't worry for you full-figured guys like me. They've got our sizes. You might, they might be behind the desk like in a bottom <laughs> drawer, but, but they do have our sizes. Campus Bookmart's available 24-7 online at campusbookmart.net. We go to Phoenix, Arizona now where standout wide receiver Jason Brownlee of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles joins us on the Eagle Hour. And Ben Milam, as we welcome Jason Brownlee, gaudy numbers, man. He's just got some great uh, career numbers at Southern Miss. Yeah, Jason, bear with me. I'm going to read through some of these accomplishments. That's, this might take a while, Kelly, okay. so yeah, relax. This is a nice long segment. <laughs> That's right. Third team, this is in 2022, at the conclusion of this season, third team all-conference selection in the Sun Belt. Maybe shorted a little bit there. Connerly Trophy finalist for the best player in Mississippi. Led the Golden Eagles in catches with 52. Receiving yards, 819. And touchdown catches with seven. He also moved into the number 10 spot in a school history at Southern Miss. And career receiving yards with 2,072 yards. And uh, that was the total before the bowl game. So it's a little higher than that. And uh, Brownlee ranks... Tied second in school history in career 100-yard receiving games with Mike Thomas and Quez Watkins. And his 20 career touchdown receptions ranks fourth in Southern Miss school history. So you say, we, we were leading up to the interview, you said one of the best in school history. A lot of times that can be hyperbole, but Jason Brownlee, clearly one of the best in school history. Well, you just mentioned Mike Thomas and Quez Watkins, and those yeah. guys have done pretty good at the pro level. Yeah, done okay. <laughs> you know, and I think that's Jason Brownlee's next step. Jason, glad to have you with us, man. Thanks for being on the show. Yes, sir. Thanks y'all for having me, man. Hey, tell me, tell me what's going on out in Phoenix. Bring us up, bring all the Eagle fans up to date as to what you got going. Um, down here working, man, trying to get better. Uh, down here training at XO in Arizona. And and you're you're anticipating that invitation from the uh, NFL Combine to be coming shortly, yes? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, when you say working to get better, can you break it down for us? Uh, what about your skill set? Are you are you especially working on? Oh no, just working on the little things like techniques and um, like just. Working on really just speed right now, just learning the form of running and just, you know. I'm, I'm sure that, that a lot of people, as you've talked to guys who have played in the league, are telling you what, what to expect. Are you getting kind of a common thread here as to how play is different in the NFL from Division One? Yeah. I mean, yeah, as long as you put the work in, you know, and just have that work at the, I mean, everything else is fought in place. Yeah, yeah I kind of lose it. Don't take a, yeah. It kind of leads into my next question. I mean, we I mentioned those two guys, Mike Thomas and Quez Watkins, and there's there's kind of you know over the last decade there's kind of a laundry list of Southern Miss wide receivers who have gotten into the NFL and done really well in their careers. Uh, to Michael Harris, uh, Tim Jones, guys like that. Uh, what is what does that mean for you as you approach this next step to know that the guys who came before you did it and did it in a really successful way? Yeah, it just gave me high hopes and. Um, I praise them guys for um, making a way and like putting the eye on Southern Miss. 
and the players that come out of that school, because many great players come out of there, but some of them really don't have the chance to continue their career on to the next level. And I'm just thankful that I got the chance to um, make that happen and um, try to get in there with them guys. Well, Jason, let me ask you this. As I read those those uh, that very long list of accomplishments, especially this year, what what is it? How does that strike you when you hear that long list? I mean, obviously a very fruitful career at Southern Miss, and and to do it with about forty nine different quarterbacks too. Eight last year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it ain't been you know, it ain't been easy. You know, just taking it one um, day at a time and just working with them guys. I mean, I just played the hand I was dealt. You know, I just made the most out of it. Most out of it and um, I just kept my head down and kept working. Now, you will be leaving at the end of the month to out, out to, to L.A. or Cali, as, as, as us hip the people cool kids call it. Say, yeah, yeah. We, all of us cool kids call it Cali. Uh, you'll be headed out there for the NFL PA Bowl, which is another kind of precursor to the NFL. The NFL is a business. Jason, it's completely different than although college football is getting to be more yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> through the transfer portal and all that NILs. But uh, what are you learning about the about the NFL as a business? Yeah, it's a business, like you said. I mean, you never know when that next opportunity may come, so you got to really just take advantage of every opportunity you get and don't take no days off, no plays off, and just try to become a master mastermind of the game. Now, have you gotten? Uh, have you gotten? management have you hired uh, agents and all that kind of stuff and, and if so how do you determine who to go with and all that yes sir yes sir i uh signed with uh sports star and my agent dave butts and like with that agent stuff you know you just want to find someone that you know that's going to work hard for you and just put in the time and keep you updated with everything that's going on around you now how did you get the invitation to the uh to the event out in in, in l.a uh, I mean, uh, I guess by the performance that I've been putting on over the years, but, um, you know, they give it out to some of the best players in the country. And um, I was trying to get that senior bowl invite, and I, I still can't get that senior bowl invite if I just go out there and do my thing at the NFLPA Bowl. They kind of ran out of spots with the uh, senior bowl, so that's why I didn't really get that Well, Jason, in, the, in those all-star type games ahead of the combine and the draft, Obviously, you've got people telling you the value of of those games. How important is it to really perform well in those type games? I mean, it's a it's very important. I mean, it's going to be scouts there at practice, and I think that's going to be the most important part is practice because the scouts just really want to. They know what you're doing the game, but seeing you up in person and just seeing what you do at practice, I mean, that means a lot to them. But besides physically, Jason, we all obviously get bigger and stronger as we age at the at the collegiate level. But how are you different as a receiver now than maybe you were starting in your career at Southern Miss? Um, I just changed my mindset and, you know, just put the work in, change my work ethic, and just know, like you said, it's a business at the end of the day. So, you know, I'm trying to do, be the best version of myself and put every uh, – possibility of work in that I can to make myself better. I guess to continue to look back at your collegiate career, we, we talked about uh, all of the different quarterbacks that you found. And like you said, it was, um, you know, th- those were factors that contributed to that out of, out of everyone's hands. It just kind of fell like that. But you went through a coaching change as well. And I mean, with as good as you were, 
I think especially ahead of this past year, you you had a chance to, to go other places. I don't think there's any secret about that. What was it about this staff and Coach Hall and, and the guys that he has brought in to Southern Miss that, that got you to stay for your last year ahead of pursuing the NFL? Yes, sir. Just believing and trusting in them and like knowing what type of uh, person Coach Hall is, like, any player I want to play for him because he caring, loving, you know, he going to keep it real with you at all times. And I feel like Coach Lindsey, like, the receiver coach, me and him had a bond. And, like, I just, like, fell in love with, like, the things that he was doing and teaching. And I just went from there. But I really just, you know, the, the bond that I made that submits with the players and stuff like that, I ain't want to, you know, leave and go anywhere else and mm-hmm. I just felt like Southern Miss was the place I wanted to end my career at because the love and the support the fans show mm-hmm. I love the fans I love the city and I just love everything about the university because you know uh, Southern Miss we ain't the top dog but like every player there got something to prove and they got that blue uh, collar mentality to just come to work every day wrapping up our discussion with wide receiver Jason Brownlee of Southern Miss who is now in Phoenix Arizona getting uh, ready for the NFL combine which will come in March the draft in April he'll also head to California at the end of the month uh, for the NFL PA Bowl out there uh, representing himself and Southern Miss very final question Jason of course you have to live in a cave to not know what happened to DeMar Hamlin last week at Buffalo and I mentioned on the show last week that to some to some conscious level mostly subconscious every football player professional wrestler auto racer jockey mm-hmm. you know athletes go out there knowing that remote as it might be there is a chance for serious serious injury what ran through your mind when you saw what was going on with Demar Hamlin and do you guys think as players that much about it yes sir I mean a lot just went through my mind and I, I was just praying for his uh, safety and his health and like uh, like, you never know, like, every rep you take, it might be your last. So you just want to go out there and just give it your all every rep because you never know what might happen. Yeah, but you can't play scared, right? I mean, no, yeah, they say if you play I mean, scared, don't, don't play at all, right? Yes, sir. I mean, like I said, it's just like it's part, like, there was a free accident and, like, it was just a routine play and, like, something like that happened. So it's just like, you know. Yeah, the fact that, that I think T, T. Higgins, I think, was taken. Right. Uh, a lot of people are going, oh, T. Higgins out of field. Well, no, it was just, it wasn't a dirty hit. There was nothing, it's just one Dream of those deals. Play, like Jason said. Well, Jason, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of people here in Hattiesburg still following you, man. And whatever team you wind up with, maybe it'll be your childhood favorite team in Minnesota. Who knows? Uh, but we thank you for joining us on the Eagle Hour. And thanks for all of, all of your uh, great memories here at Southern Miss. Continued success. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all, man. Southern Miss to the top. There you go. There you, there you go. Thanks, All right. Jason. Jason Brownlee is our, was our guest. Next segment, Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. Things in the city of the New Orleans Saints are a little bit crazy. We'll fill in those blanks when we return in a moment. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. From the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg, Kelly Sanner and Ben Milam, along with producer-engineer Michael Mergens. Glad that you're with us on this Monday as we begin another work week. 
the first, I guess, full non-holiday work week of 2023. This segment brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. There's a football game tonight, I hear tell, at the college level. Really? Uh, yeah, that's what I hear. Oh. Uh, not an official national championship game because Southern Miss is not in it. Right. Of course. But There's George, an asterisk. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Georgia and TCU will play. Who do you like in that game, Ben? I, th- I, I assume you're going to say Georgia. I am going to say, yeah. I mean, everything in me wants TCU to win. That oh, game. yeah. I think everybody in America is kind of, you, Merg, you, you going yeah. to Horn Frogs? TCU. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see TCU win, but Georgia's going to become the next Alabama. You know, I keep telling people that, you know, the. Yeah, they're halfway there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. Uh, but that they'll have that game on tonight. And all the Southern Miss men's and women's games there at 4th Street Bar and Grill, where you, you're going to know somebody there if you're a Southern Miss fan. And uh, don't forget that 995 uh, big boy lunch that they have each and every day. That includes your soft drink. Glad that uh, 4th Street Bar and Grill is with us. Patrick McGee joins us now from NOLA.com. I know you're saying, wait a minute, Patrick was just on last week. Yes, but the season is now over for New Orleans and making just as many headlines off the field, not the Saints, but the city of New Orleans. And we're here to talk all about that as the Saints do wrap up the regular season. Patrick, thank you for accommodating us on a Monday. Yesterday, Sean Payton was quoted on one of the pregame shows as saying there's a 70% chance he will wind up in the Fox broadcast booth next year and not return to coaching, although it's already been publicized that Denver uh, wanted to talk to him and and potentially some other teams. So your reaction to that uh, notion that a 70% chance in his own words that he'll wind up broadcasting again? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought there was a decent chance that he wouldn't coach this year, but he's he's, he's also likely using that for leverage <laughs> if somebody uh, comes at him uh, uh, this year. I mean, he's, they're, they're, some of these teams are really willing, apparently, to pay a lot of money. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the job openings don't look great, but heck, every season the job openings, you know, the, the teams that you live, job openings are usually bad teams. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Denver's getting the chance to interview – uh, I think that on January 17th is whenever they can do in-person interviews. Uh, and there will be more teams that request access. I'm sure the Saints look at the Broncos as having, you know, the draft picks or the, the for having trade capital uh, to work with on a deal like that. So we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I, I see a decent chance that Peyton sits this year out. And part of what you just mentioned, draft capital, could be is problematic for the Saints because they really don't have any. Uh, the first right. round pick yeah. goes to the Philadelphia Eagles, as if the Eagles need another, you know, a first round pick. Mm-hmm. But that's something that might attract coaches there. And as we said last week, Dennis Allen is is still the guy. But I want to shift gears and go to, you know, a rather lackluster performance yesterday against uh, Carolina. Yeah. Although Carolina did end the season much better than it started. Where, what happens at the quarterback position? Is Dalton really a guy that you think the Saints fans would embrace? Well, I mean, after that game, you're probably thinking no. Right. But late in the season, he had really thrown the ball well. Uh, he made some really bad – he started off fine in that game and just, you know, just couldn't connect with guys. Uh, it, was, it was a weird game. It, it kind of put that little bit of doubt back in your mind that he can do it consistently. Because he had a six- or seven-game stretch there where uh, statistically he was really good. Uh, but he's just always had that little bit of inconsistency where you'll have games where Dalton shows up and it looks like he should be your third-string guy. Uh, other ones where he looks like he's a steady uh, starter. But now, going off season, I, I don't see how they could – now, I mean, I guess they could go back to Dalton 
as a potential, you know, backup or a guy that fills in for, a, you know, a, 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 that can maybe start the season off if they have a younger guy they want to bring along. Maybe that's the case they could bring Dalton back. But I, at this point, I'm fairly skeptical that it'll be him. Uh, and and the chances are they'll probably have to go out and acquire somebody else. Well, Patrick, what's the sense you get ahead of next year? Obviously, a pretty fresh off the, the end of this season, but Kelly mentioned the lack of draft picks. And it does. It, there is sort of a sense that you just kind of have a stopgap at quarterback. I think both mm-hmm. with Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston. What's what's the sense moving forward? Is is there hope in the fan base that next year could be a turnaround, or is it just sort of waiting out, sort of a dry spell as a New Orleans Saints fan? Well, if you look at social media, I think everybody's fairly skeptical uh, that you know next year is going to be that different, uh, just because it's it's kind of you know. Uh, it's Dennis Allen, it's Pete Carmichael. You know, you, you know what you're getting out of those guys. And after one year, are you thinking, or that can they get them to a ten or eleven win team? And mm-hmm. most fans are probably sitting there saying no. Now, I mean, they they did have a fair amount of bad luck along the way with injuries and sure. stuff like that. So you have to factor that in. Uh, but at the moment, I wouldn't say there's a great deal of optimism that that Dennis Allen is the guy to put this team uh, back into the playoffs. Uh, that that three game, you know. Winning streak there late in the season helped his his cause. Uh, I think kind of you know erased any real doubt. I guess there's a remote possibility there's somebody there with the Saints that they they decide to move on. But Dennis Allen said today that you know everything he's heard out of management and is that he's going to be the guy next year, and they're they're going to do a deep dive on, on how they how they handle the roster moving forward. Mm-hmm. And in and in the division, Dean Pease, the longtime defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons, has announced his retirement at age seventy three. So this is what they call Black Monday. A lot of NFL coaches may find out their future. One already did last night, and we're going to talk about that in the fourth segment. But kind of a thing that led us into this segue led us into this discussion. We talked about things happening off the field that might be even more intriguing to Saints fans. And and that is the fact that there have been a rash of car break-ins and thefts, thefts of automobiles of Saints fans going to these games. This is the last thing that the city of New Orleans, Patrick, wants to be the word getting out, is that people can't even go to a Saints game without potentially their cars being broken into or stolen. What's going on? Yeah, well, in these lots that are near the stadium, it's not the there's there's parking at the stadium and in the surrounding area that, that's fairly standard, you know, and, and you don't see many issues. It's the it's the lots really just in the vicinity of the stadium and uh, the Smoothie King Center where they've had issues. You know, there's been issues in the past, but it just seems like they've been a little bit worse this year, more persistent. And just this last week, you saw the New Orleans police uh, say they're going to start dedicating more. Uh, to keep an eye on these on these parking lots and doing what they can do, they did make some arrests yesterday uh, in in association with break-ins. Uh, so it's good they're making arrests, but obviously that's just kind of a drop in the bucket of what they're seeing. So there, something's going to have to be done. Uh, it's you know the Saint seasons are with, but now it's Pelicans game. I'm sure you'll see more efforts kind of putting there to put it to a halt. But you know I, I've always been reluctant to leave my car in those lots near the stadium because they're just sitting there kind of in the open without anybody really keep an eye on it's particularly dangerous uh or vulnerable during a game because they know for a good three or four hours uh people aren't going to be coming back to their cars so uh it's it's really just a, a bad situation uh the way these lots are set up near the stadium and, and, and people just more and more are starting to take advantage well i want to get your insight on this because there is common ownership to a degree in the saints the people mm-hmm. who own the saints and own the pelicans and mm-hmm. such 
As such, the voices have been raised that if the city of New Orleans doesn't get more serious about protecting people's automobiles who are paying good money to go to these games, that they would threaten to potentially take their franchises and, and go no, elsewhere. I mean, that's, that's not really been threatened. But okay. I mean, it's, it's you know, the, with the Pelicans, there's that possibility in the long run uh, that the team could be sold. But this is Gail Benson owns both the Saints and the Pelicans. And this, you know, and they just really want to step up and, and challenge the city to come in and do this. So this is really just starting the effort on their part to try to limit, you know, at least, you know, slow this down because uh, it seems like it accelerated here just this year. So, I, you know, I, I, we'll see how this plays out. I mean, I, obviously something has to be done. There's a crime surge here in New Orleans. There's a crime surge in a lot of large cities in America right now. It's, it's not just New Orleans, but it just seems a little bit more <laughs> a little more serious, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, some, it's, a new, it's a police department that's a little stri- stretched thin. Uh, it's under, you know, uh, transition to new leadership. So uh, there's a lot of pressure on the mayor for across the city to fix a lot of things. And, and really the crime issue is, is at the top of everybody's mind. Well, you mentioned it there. I mean, this is it's not a necessarily a new thing. And it, mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned the surge there. How, how much of it is it a matter, I guess, of sort of the story being stirred up by the media and, like and the city me, like government, me. guys like Kelly who were who were talking about it. On no, the radio I, I show. think it's. I think it's just become more. I think the the folks doing this have become more brazen. I mean, they just yeah. brought daylight daylight yeah. yesterday. So I, I think that uh, this has been going on for a while. But I think these people are just doing it. You know, it, it's maybe I don't know. Is it, I would like to see the stats on number of you know break ins and cars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say there's probably been an uptick, but it's just been weird. I mean, it's it, they really just kind of – it's a group, I'm assuming, that's just going at it and not – assuming they're not going to pay for it. So eventually they've just got to make make significant progress in making some arrests. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Patrick, we said there was a 4% chance that the New Orleans Saints would make the playoffs. Last week it was, I don't know, 6%, something. But we can officially tell you as of today – there is a 0% chance that the New Orleans Saints <laughs> will make the playoffs. They are out for this year, and now all sites look forward to 2023. With We talked with Jason Brownlee about the, the NFL draft coming up, the, the, um, all the other things you know going on with the Combine, and we'll see what direction the Saints go. But one thing's for certain, Patrick McGee will keep us up to date on all of it. Patrick, Happy New Year. Thanks again for your insight. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Patrick McGee, NOLA.com. He covers the Saints for us, and that's it for another year. When we come back, we'll talk about Lady Eagle basketball and to wrap up the NFL discussion, how one former Chicago Bear helped the current Chicago Bears in a big way. That story next. Southern Miss to the top. This final segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by D1 and DBAT training facilities. After the first of the year, folks, it's softball and baseball season. You know that the baseball and softball Eagles will hit the field next Monday, I believe, a week from today, I think, is their first practice. That is hard to believe. But uh, if cold temperatures and the rain keeps your athlete in, uh, 
from being outside, then D1 and D-Bat is the place to go because uh, the weather is always perfect inside. The big training facility for baseball and softball on the left, physical fitness on the right. D1 and D-Bat, you can also find them online. And the official beignet company of the Eagle Hour is Mobay Beignet on Hardy Street right across. It's a, it's a place, it's right across from the main entrance to the campus at Southern Miss. A lot of students like to go there to study. There's a wide assortment of coffees, uh, different beignets, and if the flavor of syrups change from month to month kind of what's seasonal i think you'll really enjoy uh, a trip to mobe beignet it's kind of new orleans in the hattiesburg area and michael i know there's a different a whole bunch of different platforms that people can listen to this program if they weren't able to listen to it live if you can get a podcast somewhere you can get the eagle hour apple audible google spotify stitcher tune in and what still blows my mind is just tell alexa to play super talk eagle hour <laughs> it doesn't work in my house but i think you have to hook something up you know and and you have to have an Alexa, too. Yeah. You can't just speak it into existence. What about electricity? What, that probably... Yeah, mm, I think yeah. so. need a little bit of that. Right. All right, before we finish with Lady Eagle basketball, Michael, while we've got you on the show, of course, you were born and raised in the, the state of Illinois, the great state. Uh, you're a bear... <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> well, the state of Illinois. That, well, that's There's what the all the politicians... live here now. The great state of Illinois, uh, Mr. Chairman. Nope. Um, not anymore. The Bears, the Chicago Bears, as a result of what happened yesterday, are going to get the number one pick in the NFL draft. And what's funny about that... First it, time since 44, I think. Either wow. 44, 46, or 47. They get Otto Graham yeah. that year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, but Lovey Smith, who coached the Houston Texans as was, and was fired last night, is a former Bears head coach. And because the Texans had the audacity to win a game <laughs> yesterday. The Bears lose. The Bears get the number one pick. Yeah, and the social media is hilarious. Just look at the hashtag uh, Bears right now, and it's it's just it's awesome. But once a, a Bear, always a Bear. And I always liked Lovey. He was one of my three favorite coaches. Of course, the first one who I never got to see was Papa Bear, Alice. Right, right. Then Coach Ditka and but you know he and and actually when you look at his career he didn't have a bad he was with the Bears it's the same situation and this is what I've noticed with all the talk of coaches leaving and going and where someone wants to go is that front office and it's the exact now Virginia McCaskey the owner of the Bears turned 100 last week and nothing against her but it's just the McCaskey family has not always had the team's best overall <laughs> success at least it comes across that way and that's i'm sure mike ditka would tell you the exact same thing Does but, it? but so many teams are that way a lot of times it's not so much what's going on on the field or in the locker room it's that that front office is not giving them the space to move does ms mccaskey realize that she owns yes she, oh, she is. does my gosh i, I don't know <laughs> what those genes are she's still impressive. sharp huh? yeah extremely sharp and then she of course gives the uh Walter Payton uh, Humanitarian Award. She's usually there in the, the George Hallis Award uh, at the playoffs, the NFC playoffs. So it's still going. But I saw 100 last week. How about really, that? Maybe actually if she took more control, we'd see better things. come. Well, you know the Bears won't go for a quarterback. It's not a really a quarterback-rich draft anyway, and they just got fields last year. So we'll see. But the Bears are going to get the number one pick. All right, women's basketball, Southern Miss, we talked about them being beaten by James Madison 63-54 to on Saturday. Ben, they had them on the ropes there toward the end, and then uh, James Madison just pulled it away. 
Yeah, they did. It was it was sort of a, a tale of, of two halves, and we knew. I mean, it was a battle of undefeated. It was a battle for first place. Uh, I mean, that was a 10 to nothing game in the early portions. 21-6 in the first half. James Madison was up on the Lady Eagles. Uh, but that, yeah, you mentioned it in the second half. It was a three-point game with seven and a half to go. And just Duke sort of just outlasted the Lady Eagles a little bit. Um, but I, I thought it was a, a great effort and show that you can compete with the best of the conference. The, the, a sign of a really good team, though, is is one that grabs a lead early and then just will not relinquish it ultimately. Sure. I mean, um, now ULM had a big lead against the men and the Eagles came back. And But ULM, I would suggest, on the men's side is not the team that JMU is on the women's side. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. And they're, they're also, I mean, there were some, other than just a, a great effort and, and playing it close, I mean, there are some good things about this game for Southern Miss. You, Femi Funes, we've, we mentioned how big her return would be. And she gave you 10 points. She was one of three Lady Eagles in double figures, but she gave you 34 minutes. So that was a season high and really should be really encouraging. I'm sure is really encouraging to the coaching staff that she can give you 34 good minutes and I, I would expect them to continue to play her a lot. Two home games for the Lady Eagles this week on Thursday and Saturday. Thursday, they will take on the Red Wolves of Arkansas State. That's a 6 o'clock game. 6 o'clock Thursday night at Reed Green Coliseum. Then the Lady Eagles return home on Saturday. The fourth of a four-game homestand, they'll take on the Warhawks of Louisiana Monroe. That'll be a 2 o'clock tip on Saturday. Women's basketball standings, James Madison, 4-0, they lead the way. Southern Miss, Georgia Southern Troy, all 3-1. Texas State. State Marshall, Old Dominion, Louisiana, Georgia State, App State, ULM, all at 2-2 two and two in women's play. Coastal's 1-3, and three, Arkansas State, and South Al 0-4. Kelly, before we wrap it up, I want a score prediction for tonight. So we can talk about it tomorrow. Uh, Georgia wins 31-13. Uh, to 13. I'm going to be contrarian because TCU did score in a really good defense last week. I'm going to say TCU 38, Georgia 31. Wow, looking for the upset. That's right. Later in the week, Steve Cotton, the voice of Marshall and other Southern Miss athletes. Until then, Southern Miss to the top. top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.